0: greetings
1: greetings and salutations hold on one second hello can you hear me i can hear you can you hear me yes fantastic and hello to everybody out there in the wide world uh this is I Thomas Lynn, and King with my friend Stephen Walby. another episode of Quixotic musings. We're doing this one a little bit a little bit off the cuff um just to try and sustain momentum and last week, we talked about the challenge of moving uh in into real conversation you know, beyond the temptations of merely polemical or uh argumentative discourse. And to follow up thematically, I uh thought, you know, or we thought perhaps we could touch on the question of uh censorship and and possibly even a related theme, which occurred to me uh, just a few moments ago, um, to which uh, we can return uh, uh, propaganda. Uh, those are obviously uh, the, the questions which are, are closely, closely mingled. But uh, today being the... Um, the date today being the 14th 14th of January 2020. The previous 10 or so days have been characterized by events in which the question of censorship stands out front and center. Uh, There was the incident where... He has now been, uh, or so is my understanding of this moment, uh, effectively shunted from uh, major media platforms, major social, sorry, major social media platforms, such as Twitter and what have you. Uh, and that, uh, you know, we can talk about that. The other major event uh, in the news um well i think there's actually three things going on, but the two like big events that, that that stood out were uh were that, and there was or is an incipient social media platform uh parlor or parlays p a r l e r that was realizing a good deal of success uh but whose um policies of moderation do not sit well in the uh stomachs of tech execs at Google Amazon and uh Apple, and those three uh conspired to effectively shut parlor or parlay down <clears throat> now, the stated reason for that decision was that the site <laughs> excuse me here. <laughs> excuse me, the site was um, apparently a point of convergence for people of unsavory perspectives, white supremacists and uh, what have you, the, the alt-right uh, people who uh, were inclined to incite to violence and so forth. Well, there's a serious issue with that uh, characterization because it's reductive. Uh, the the platform was open to anybody effectively, and it, it's hardly fair to say that even most of the people on there uh, were of such a such an ilk as 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 was suggested, because I don't believe that was the case. Um, and then the third thing goes on. The third thing goes on pertains to the ongoing situation with the COVID. Nineteen uh, crisis, such as it is, and how that has been a occasion for censorship um, of dissenting perspectives. So, in the in the news broadly, that's the background, which brings us into the question of censorship. <clears throat> but not just with respect to these particular. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Son of a gun, particular events. But with respect to the issue, almost abstractly, like is censorship a viable course? Does it have uh, a, an ethical basis? Or is it to be rejected out of hand as an action that is uh, all but intrinsically? Despotic and counterproductive. So I went on there, so I'm like a bit of a chatty Cathy um, But uh, let me ask, turn it over to you, Stephen. You've been patiently sitting there while I um, offer that prologue. Of sorry, sorts. Were, you, were you talking? No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> I guess Stephen was uh, distracted by an adjacent mirror, mm. so or a cat. And 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 understandably so. Truly, the vision of his countenance is a remarkable mm. one. Thank you, sir. That's <laughs> that's
0: the nicest thing anybody said to me uh, all day. <clears throat> um. So yeah, I, uh,
1: did I miss a question there, or were you just kind of throwing it at me? I didn't actually ask you a specific question. I I just went on about how we thought we'd talk a bit about censorship and. Yep. and it's uh and whether you know it's appropriate and it should 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 be permitted or tolerated well um you know as you and i obviously have
0: spoken about this uh topic um specifically um in the past um and uh overall i think we share pretty um similar views on the matter, um, I think that I would be hard-pressed to find a circumstance in which I would argue that censorship is permissible or is um, useful. Um, At its core, the argument for Censorship, um, especially what we've seen in regards to the event that happened uh, at the Capitol building on the sixth of January, is that <clears throat> um, you know c- censorship can be used as a tool for the benefit uh, of of people or for the benefit of society. It can be used um, as a as a a means to an end uh for the overall good, and while I understand that logic, um what I think it you know reflects is <clears throat> a uh, fundamental lack of trust in individuals to hear the information that's presented and make their own sense of the information and ultimately come to their own conclusions. Um, the wh- Where the topic gets muddy, I believe, <clears throat> especially in regards to, say, something like the COVID-19 pandemic, is that um, proponents of censorship will say, you know, that there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, they'll say that there's people, you know, uh, to quote, you know, people will say, you know, a pair of lips can say anything and sometimes do. And while this is true, and certainly some things that people say can be false or harmful, Um, I believe that that is just simply <clears throat> a product of freedom of speech freedom of expression and while certain things people say can be harmful i would say that if if something someone's saying really is harmful um if everyone truly has freedom of speech and isn't being censored then logically the the number of voices that are not spreading this quote-unquote misinformation would simply outweigh the the quacks if you will um so I d- I don't think it's warranted to say that um oh, you know uh, something someone's saying is harmful, and thus you know we can just kind of shut them up um I think that 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 comes with its own um,
1: repercussions um so I mean yes, yeah, I mean and uh, so sorry, go on finish the point. Um,
0: yeah, I don't know that there, I had uh, many more concise points. I was just kind of, you know, uh,
1: take, We're, stringing some
0: thoughts together
1: to 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 like build on on that. Uh, a, a few <clears throat> few things. One is that I like to highlight the connection between the the first uh, main point you raised and the uh, lattermost remark, as I heard them. The first main point being that. The practice of censorship implies uh, well it actually is a story that cuts two ways as I'm talking uh, because there's a, there's sort of a charitable reading and there is a more sinister one. And the charitable reading stands that censorship is practiced from a vantage of condescension which does not trust the ability of people to exercise their own intelligence to, with their own minds, discern what is best for themselves and for people at large. And, uh, and as such, uh, demands that if the truth is to be given to them, it has to be given to them in a modified and manipulated way. So that's charitable insofar as the um, condescension is not driven by a motive which is innately malicious or uh,
0: um, intentionally deceiving,
1: defamatory in nature. Right. The more cynical reading is that people, and I actually think closer to the mark in many cases, and these are not, by the way, mutually exclusive. It's not either or, it's sort of both end. Is that people who practice censorship are very aware that people actually can exercise their intelligence and use their own minds to figure out what is going on and generally are inclined to make the best decisions for what is best in their life. And the thing is, that when people do that, when people exercise their intelligence and make up their own minds and make the good decision, it's often at odds with the interests of people in power. So I would say more often than not, people who perpetrate censorship do so to preserve their own interests. And I would say they do that at the expense of society's good at a whole. They, of course, will demur from that characterization because they have a tendency to believe that their good is the good of society as a whole. As someone noted, authoritarians rarely see themselves as authoritarians. Um I might like so so coming back to the whole charge of like so you know, if people are intelligent in and of themselves, right, then People saying something which is harmful is not become that problematic because people are capable of knowing not to put their hands on a hot stove without being instructed to do so. Um, but I might actually push the point a little further, right? In terms of how radical one should be with respect to uh, free speech, because the question is begged: what? Is in fact a harmful utterance, and uh, this is not as clear cut as one might think at first blush, because um, you know this is you know obviously because because what constitutes harm very much is determined by uh, the conversation at large. And there's there's a, there's a subjective dimension to it, which actually is fundamentally why you need a space of free speech so that all options can be presented and weighed in an appropriate manner. To go ahead and indicate, you know, so for instance, I give a historical example, right, where censorship could be invoked to defame people who wanted to stand up for individuals of a homosexual orientation. People who would take the stance that homosexuals are perfectly grounded in their orientation and have every right to lead their lives in a full and unfettered way would be dismissed as propagating uh, pernicious opinion that would be contributing to the ill health of the population at large and the moral fiber of society etc 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 you know so this is what I mean when I say what constitutes harmful speech is a rather debatable affair and why free speech is that much more significant because if we didn't have something approaching free speech then we wouldn't get progress such as now broadly people understand that homosexuality of course there are still unfortunately prejudices against the homosexual uh, population so don't misunderstand me as thinking that it's all rainbows and unicorns but things are a lot better now than they were, say, in nineteen fifty five All right, i don't I don't imagine people will push back too much on that point, right but uh nineteen fifty five you could be seen as levying a threat to public health for saying it's okay for someone to be gay, right? It's not so likely today, right and so then you get into the question of what is public health, and that connects. What is health right so this is big, these are big questions right, and big questions to which no one has a monopoly title or shouldn't um anyway no, well yes, or shouldn't right mm-hmm. so um what's alarming what's alarming to me, so well, I, 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 again I'm talking talking, so just jump in here right, but just what's alarming to me. <clears throat> And to build on, you know, what I'm saying is that now you have multiple vectors of uh, censorship. You have state censorship and you have corporate censorship, which is uh, enacted by uh, these large <laughs> digital companies and social media. <clears throat> uh, but you also have cultural censorship. These are all live things happening, right? Where even if you can say something, you can be quote unquote censored. Through mechanisms of guilt and shame, but we'll bracket that for the moment and focus on the first two, just for the sake of expedience. Yeah, <clears throat> well, of the, I yeah. mean, you don't have. I mean, you feel free to talk about that because they all tie together. But I just yeah. might I just might just uh, well go go on go on, Stephen. Um, <clears throat> well, I
0: think. Um, To tie in the idea you uh, had mentioned earlier about uh, that censorship and propaganda um, quite often go hand in hand and are quite, o- quite, uh, quite often.
1: Uh... Hey. Hey. You back? I, I accidentally disconnected us there. I, uh, we can <clears throat> just pick up, I think, from where we were. I walking. think
0: that might have been uh, you trying to censor me. If I'm
1: not
0: mistaken, <laughs> you didn't like what I was saying, and
1: um, well, yeah, I thought better of it. So here we go. Let's carry on. <laughs>
0: uh, so um, to tie in the ideas of um, you had mentioned propaganda and how it often goes hand in hand with censorship, um, and and that that the propaganda and censorship are often. Um, perpetuated or administered, if you will, by the same institutions. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the things that I've seen on Facebook recently, or, you know, statistics that you see on, you know, websites from various uh, institutions, government or organizations. And, um, you know, the, 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 the idea that censorship uh, is necessary in order to, Prevent uh conspiracy theories from flourishing uh, because conspiracy theories are harmful to oh, yeah. public health or that they're harmful to society at large um, and you know there's been a lot of talk in the in the uh, media about um, you know Donald Trump specifically perpetuating uh misinformation um, conspiracy theories. And while I think, you know, that is definitely true, um, as we had pointed out with the, you know, if you actually have an open forum where everyone uh, ideally has an equal ground for speaking, um, then this this would be far less problematic. Furthermore, my argument against... um, People saying that, like "quote unquote," an individual is propagating misinformation or pushing misinformation, or that they are um, creating um, a culture or a, a space or an atmosphere in which conspiracy theories would flourish. I, I would say that really the the root source of conspiracy theories um, would ultimately be a culture of of a a result of a government of secrecy that practices secrecy so if if someone really wants to argue that um we need to cut out these conspiracy theories you know don't go thinking that something bad is happening behind that curtain then what we really ought to do is remove the curtain um yeah, I'll leave that there and see if you have any thing to say uh about that.
1: Well, would you elaborate on what you mean by saying remove the curtain? Well, I think I know what you mean.
0: For for example, you know, um I'll try to think of a conspiracy theory um um that um is maybe in the forefront of people's minds. Um
1: I, I an, exa- an example of a conspiracy, which is now broadly acknowledged to have occurred, is uh, the onset of the Vietnam War, where an event was orchestrated—well, you know, essentially concocted or invented—to justify U.S. Uh, intervention in Vietnam. The Gulf of Tonkin incident
0: mm-hmm.
1: was broadly a fiction loosely based on a a trivial encounter that was then in its depiction uh, grotesquely exaggerated Uh to uh, then give the uh, American government adequate political capital to uh, involve itself militarily Uh in, in Vietnam. Another example would be during the uh, first or the Persian Gulf War, the first one in the early 90s under Bush uh, Sr. There was in the early days of the conflict, reportedly uh, the kidnapping and subsequent rescue of a uh, female U.S. soldier, one Jessica Lynch. It was then uh, Jessica Lynch herself who, could no longer um, deal with, uh, I guess suppose, the guilt of, of the lie, which exposed it to be a completely, completely fabricated occurrence that was put forth just to, uh, for the sake of war propaganda to, to build support in the American people for the, for the uh, intervention in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can also look at the sorts of things which unfolded, which were revealed um, by uh, <clears throat> by a Chelsea Manning uh, to be going on in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq as well, and and, the, and it goes on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so there are legions of examples. Of things which are initially dismissed as conspiratorial uh, in quality, but which are then vindicated. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that they're all going to be vindicated, but what it mm-hmm. shows is that there are uh, there, there there's,
0: there's lots of shenanigans afoot. Right. And and basically, my point is that if your argument for censorship is well, you're you are um, promoting um misinformation and conspiracy theories that aren't true then i would say those conspiracy theories would not take any hold if there was transparency to begin with um and i think ultimately that's the root cause of the of any conspiracy theory it's it's a lack of transparency and a lack of trust in the institutions um
1: Well, conspiracy, by definition, requires secrecy. So, um, well, yeah, I would say that uh, pretty much if you're talking about it. I guess there are open conspiracies, but most of the time uh, when people are conspiring, it is not in their interest (laughs) to be uh, transparent about that. Right. So you're quite right that even just as a matter of the logic of diagnosis, the reality of conspiracy theory as part of the public discourse follows naturally from the fact that state and corporate actors are structurally secretive institutions. Right, and and even if yeah, you,
0: you know, you, it could be a corporate actor, or it could be, you know, um, uh, a government agency that's basically, you know, uh, part of its mission is secrecy. You know, the FBI, for example. CIA. Um, Well, I don't know that they fundamentally began that way or were intended to, but regardless, the whole confidentiality, um, which once again kind of reflects, well, this is top secret stuff. Uh, The general public shouldn't know about it because that could be harmful. Uh, We can only limit this information to a handful of elite individuals who have access to it because they're the only ones responsible enough to actually handle this, which I think is a real to be frank, a slap in the face to really any, in, any person on this earth. You know, you could so, say specifically any American citizen, but um, I think knowledge, knowledge and information should be accessible to everyone.
1: Um, now, to be fair, to the uh, people on the other side of the debate who don't have to have a representative available at this time, uh, maybe I'll try and find someone uh, but to act as the devil 's advocate for the moment, right in the well, you to what you 're referring, I think is often uh, the umbrella of quote unquote national security, in which the idea is that you can 't let certain kinds of information forward because that information will be used by uh, enemies within or without to subvert um, or do something nasty to the the American people, and this, the the the, um, the urgency or the 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 effectiveness as a as a rhetorically of this trope is, is usually greater in active wartime, but it but never entirely goes away. And certainly, it it, it never entirely goes away in a culture which often uses the lens of war. To frame so many of its problems, um, even wars that, even problems that shouldn't be addressed with a, a military uh, perspective. So you have the war on drugs and the war on poverty and the war on uh, what have you. And um, it connects back to a point we made in the last show that institutions will. Tend to replicate the problem that they are tasked at solving because that problem is the basis for their survival. But, uh, um, but nevertheless, it does seem it would be comp- it would be a bit disingenuous to pretend that one is not without a point in saying that in times of war or in light of certain active conflicts. Something like a clandestine attack toward particular sets of data is at least understandable. So I'm just raising that point, not because I necessarily support it personally, but because it does merit representation in the conversation. And how how do you how do you um, how do you reply to that to that kind of attack? um while i understand uh
0: of course everything that you're saying um i think that i i would say that i ha- would have to re- disagree with that um with that view um, to, without i mean that's that could be a whole you know hour of its own, but um ultimately I, I think you know it uh being being an anarchist as well as as you also identify uh, I think that I could come up with a multitude of reasons as to why I would disagree with that entire framework, though I do understand it
1: um, so I mean, I do feel it is incumbent upon us to to reply a counterpoint. Uh, I mean, I do broadly identify as an anarchist. I don't generally think that the state carries legitimacy as an institution. Uh, But, you know, I'm not exactly in the majority in that connection. And uh, many people are of the view that um, it is legitimate. So if I grant that point for the sake of this argument, right, I'm uh, sort of, you know, going to be hard pressed in, in respect to this specific point. Nevertheless, I will uh, sally forth and provide a twofold reply. Uh, one is this. That, okay, first of all. Um, It's not well, you see it's like you said, the, the whole framework is is based on a set of assumptions which perhaps deserve to be challenged. Uh, for example, the equation of the interests of the government or the military with the interests of uh, the American people and or whatever country in which you happen to be uh, right you know And in fact, those interests oftentimes do not line up you know, with uh, such harmony. But um, uh, you know, and, and it, it is, as the saying goes, uh, truth is the first casualty of war in any event. So, uh, but one must strive for strive for charity, and I'm uh, going to be charitable to my opponent's position. What I'm going to offer is that insofar as classified, the classification is, ah, I just, you know, I mean, uh, the classification and uh, of information, the classification of information is offered as legitimate if uh if it's classification provides a kind of protection for uh, American service personnel. And I can only see that, uh, you know, I just just saw outside of like the, the mainstream framing. But by the way, that's exactly why we need free speech, so that someone like myself can actually talk. And you... You know, by by whom I mean the audience you can you can like actually work through these ideas right because uh it gets into like really sticky uncomfortable territory because you know I'm going to just go ahead and say it right now that in my view uh the government is not justified in classifying anything uh the only possible exception i might grant would be that if you have an active military operation, information connected directly toward directly to uh, tactical and strategic facets of that operation can be temporarily suppressed. But it seems that as soon as that the operation is completed. The, the, that classification is no longer legitimate. May sound like naive, okay, but and, and I'm not like you know pretending that anything's going to change on that score, right? But outside of that very narrow window, I just, um, I just, I just cannot see the suppression of any information as warranted or even ethical. And for that matter, we have to look squarely at the fact that there are certain agencies in almost every government that are built on an ethically bankrupt foundation, such as the Central Intelligence Agency. Central Intelligence Agency is uh, built on a web of lies. And that's that's its business. Its, its business is uh, it's a, it's an awful business. Now, it's, it's a complicated agency. There's two, like, there's, like, an analytic. There's, there's a side of the CIA, which ostensibly acts like a think tank and just does analysis of happenings in the world. And then there's the other side of the CIA, which is involved in active espionage, which – is just awful, okay? And so, you know, where you, they go in and they try and uh, manipulate happenings in foreign countries and so forth, right? And really, there's almost like two agencies. But, um, that being said, especially the espionage wing of that outfit is, uh, they're, they're, their whole project is, 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 is bankrupt. It's built on uh, deceit and violence. And uh, it's completely without warrant, right? One could argue it's not even a constitutionally legitimate agency, and that's just one agency. It's not the only one that suffers from this sort of structural problem deep in deep in its its very foundation and project. That that, that its activities are, I mean, even within relatively conservative uh, within a relatively conservative framework, are, are structurally criminal. And in order to preserve the activity of the agency, you need secrecy. So I, I guess going back to the original point, the claim that the claim of protection, I basically reject as an invalid claim because the actual reason for which the classification classification occurs is not the protection of the people who inhabit the these agencies per se. But the preservation of the viability of their criminal enterprise,
0: right? And you know, I want to get back to the to the original point that I was making, which is, you know, of course, there's always going to be things that happen in the world, uh, things that happen in a government that maybe only one person knows or a handful of people know, and that that's understandable. Um, You know, there's never really a way that you can make sure that the truth is always known but when you have entire agencies that are built upon secrecy and it's basically considered you know it, it, it's accepted almost it's accepted and expected that that secret c- secrecy exists it's no wonder that you're going to have conspiracy theories arise so to get back to my to my my primary point you know um you know obviously it would be it would be idealistic to expect that you would never have any secrecy any deception any lies in the world or in the government or in an institution but when you have an entire agencies and branches of government that basically exist behind a curtain it, it, it would be ridiculous to expect that there will not be speculation and conspiracy theories arising out of that If you really wanted to get rid of "quote unquote" harmful conspiracy theories, you would simply pull back the curtain so that everyone could see what was going on, and that no one would have to speculate. That
1: quite well. Yeah, I mean that's that's quite right. Quite right. And
0: um, you know, to end
1: all classification of data
0: and, and to. You know one thing that comes to mind also is the um
1: i actually think it's amazing how i'm sorry i i will hold that point go on
0: um please please recall, please
1: uh, i just think it's a, it's amazing how our discourse the broader the broad public conversation in which we find ourselves just accepts it so in uh, so cavalier a manner. That the government should be able to classify things. They just say, oh, well, you know, there it is, just, you know, it's just part of life, you know. Mm-hmm. And then most people, you know, they, it's like, you don't even give it a second thought, you right. know? Right, I mean. And, it is- and it's just like amazing to me that, 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 that it's not controversial that so the government classifies anything. Anything, right? You know, I mean, the democracy is supposed to be predicated on a, a rationally informed discourse, all relevant information available to everyone to, you know, permit them to make a judgment as how they're going to interact with the conversation in public life. And it does, not seem, does it not seem absolutely inimical to the project of such a democracy to have a government that, is, that, is, that, that practices on a regular basis the wholesale Classification of reams of data, most of which, the vast majority of which, in no way can be legitimately classified. You can't even resort to something which, which, which is uh, plausible, like it's uh, relevance to a specific tactical operation or something like that. And the vast majority of classified information is is classified in order to create and control appearances, not not out of some sense of feeding into the public wheel or the common good or something like that. Yeah, and, and, you know, what it also... And this holds also for corporations. We're talking about the government, but corporations are just as guilty, and they also, you know, with the whole, and then you get into this whole question of proprietary trade secrets and, and competition and all that muck, right? You know, and it does not seem. Does it not seem problematic that 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 you would take profit and put it in front of the progress that could be derived from a more general sharing of knowledge?
0: Yeah, it seems a a, a little bit problematic to me.
1: I'm certainly on my soapbox tonight, but anyway, mm-hmm. go 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 on go on.
0: Yeah, and I, and um, you know. I want to go back, you know, cause there's a lot of, um, you know, we're getting back to the, uh, the social media giants. Um, in respect to what happened on uh, January 6th, um, you know, the, there was um, a lot of, uh, after the storming of the Capitol and, uh, the violence that ensued, um, shortly after, uh, president Trump was banned from, uh, a few uh, of the social media outlets, basically the big ones, uh, Twitter most notably. And then I think Facebook, and I don't know if he had had any others or used any others, but those are the two that I know of. And, uh, people were quick to, um, claim that this was, a. um, of, you know a violation of freedom of speech, the rebuttal to that was that this is uh these are private forums um, and that the the corporate entities that own these spaces uh, have the right to remove someone from that space and and while I understand that um, that argument. Um, as you had said uh, pr- well not maybe not during this recording, but you had s- stated previously that uh, at this point they they largely function as a utility and as a public space, regardless of whether or not they're owned by private entities now my my uh, where this rubs me wrong um is not so much that they quote unquote silenced Donald Trump. Um, As far as people in the world and public figures, he has other outlets with which he can get his message out. I mean, he's the president of the United States. Okay. He's not, you know, some, some nobody somewhere who, who can't, you know, get a message out. I mean, he's got a podium specifically dedicated to that. Okay. But, The, the, the fact that, you know, right now, especially we're living in a time where, you know, um, regardless of what you think uh, in regards to COVID-19 and it's um, uh, how, uh, you know, uh, harmful and infectious and lethal of a virus it is, um, we're living in a time where we're, you know, that is used as a pretext for effectively banning um, uh public gatherings we have basically removed the freedom of assembly um nobody seems to be talking about that so we're not even allowed to gather in large numbers anywhere um and so now uh, overwhelmingly these conversations are being had on social media uh and that's very concerning to me because we've you know it now seems that an overwhelming Majority of these conversations are going to be happening happening on forums that are controlled by a, a, a very few individuals, um, and they have their corporate interests. They're in bed with who knows who um, behind closed curtains. Uh, and, um, you know, that that's that is very frightening
1: uh, to me. I, uh, I share your uh, trepidation. It is, um, it, it's, 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 it's troubling, um, and perhaps what makes it more troubling is that what you have with the American people prior to the onset of—not uh, just the American people, but we happen to be speaking from America, right—but prior to the onset of this uh, situation, this particular. Crisis what you have is a um, is a loss of you know real political consciousness so people's notion of the value of public space and public conversation has already been subjected to some erosion, which is part of for us why there is only a dim awareness of how uh, alarming these uh, reactions actually actually may be. Um, And that also connects into issues around technology and uh, how we lead increasingly isolated, atomized, where we almost become uh, blind to the extent of that isolation through because of the mirage of technology that, that, that social media uh, proffers, right? And we've, we've lost touch with the need of, you know, real physical connection. And also of our very nature as human beings is fundamentally social creatures or social animals, right? We're, we're supposed to be together, not apart. as uh, a matter of just physical vitality. And uh, any real civic life, whether on a neighborhood or municipal or county or state or national level is ultimately a life which has to be built on real intercourse, real public uh, engagement, you know, people knowing each other in in, in a face-to-face fashion. So, um, So I, I agree that it's, it's very troubling that you've had this attack on, on public space. Um, you know, I mean, for heaven's sake, you know, I I want to start a chess club. It's very benign, right? But something as benign as starting a chess club becomes a question of uh question of controversy in, due, to, due to the things that have that have transpired. Uh, leave alone something that's more obviously charged politically
0: and what have you yeah, and you know it, it goes without saying that um well I get maybe it doesn't I, I I guess i'll I'll just point it out that you know the, when you introduce um, a digital medium uh, as an intermediary between human beings it is it's much more highly it's much more susceptible to manipulation and censorship um most notably um you know i remember uh shortly after the pandemic had hit um it, was, it may have been back in may there was something that kind of came out on um, uh, facebook it was uh like a documentary called "Plandemic" or something to that effect um, and it was, I guess, it was going to be released in theaters or whatever. Uh, it was kind of circulating on Facebook and quickly was taken down repeatedly for "quote unquote" violating whatever community guidelines. Um, and um, this kind of gets back to what we were what we were talking about before. That okay, it, it may very well be misinformation. What this uh, this doctor was saying, maybe she was a quack. Maybe she was telling lies or or whatever i don't know i don't really have a stance on it she could be telling the truth she could be telling lies i don't really know in fact very few people probably do know probably just the actors that were involved in in the the actual event that uh, she was uh, trying to draw attention to but you know if 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 something like this for example is is so outlandish um, you know, I would, you know, the argument would be, well, we can't have this get out. You know, people are going to, people are going to watch this and they're going to, they're going to know that this, you know, that they're, they're going to believe this and they're going to not have faith in the the medical system or the, the, the system of government or the institutions. And to that, I would say that, you know, if, if that's so true, let everyone speak, let this quack come out, make a quack of herself and let every other doctor in the world come out and uh, with their freedom of speech, they can gang up on her a thousand to one and point out how ridiculous she is. That, that is why freedom of speech is important. You're, you're never going to stop every single person out there from saying something harmful, misleading, never. whatever. But the beauty of it is if, if it's actually working, then if everyone has a level playing field and a level, a stage upon which to speak then you know this discourse can happen and the other doctors for example can come out and say yeah this lady's she's she's a she's a goof. what she's saying is not true go get your vaccine or whatever it is um
1: it,
0: so so the, the 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 mere existence of the as you've pointed out the mere existence of the censorship to me it points to a lack of confidence in in the in the in the party that is censoring
1: their of, uh, yeah.
0: to their own to right. their own position this, this... yes if 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 you're really a, a silly fool i should just right. let you speak exactly. and, and prove it
1: right like if well, for what are you why are you <laughs> what are you afraid what are you afraid that you have to suppress speech okay
0: and and don't get me wrong. It, th- there's there's no doubt yeah, that people I mean, can say people things that are, harm. Say, you know,
1: maybe
0: maybe you know, this lady, and
1: awful maybe things. this
0: lady would come out, no doubt, yeah, maybe this lady would come out and give give terrible misinformation, but and some happened. people would act upon it. But but if you if you function with the overall good, okay, uh, you you're doing far less damage by just letting her come out and, and say and, this, okay, and let and allowing people to hear it. And then allowing people to hear goodness. the counter argument. You but now, work. now we don't even have, we don't even have a statement with a count. We don't even have a statement to begin with, much less a counter argument. We just have basically a video that came out. We saw the, the three minute trailer and then it was removed. And now people are wondering, well, why the heck was that taken down? What are they hiding? Which is a valid question. Even, even if it was completely a, a, all baseless lies, it may have been, I don't know. Because it's all of it's enshrined in secrecy, so there there and is the problem. Also, you
1: have just is that um, you know just to say another aspect of what you're saying is that when you do censor people, right? Uh, you actually if, if what they're saying is you know really like awful, okay, when that necessarily that happens, you then like create uh, a condition which intensifies their sense of isolation and a kind of siege mentality that actually then exacerbates the the, the the tension in society at large, right? Whereas if, like you said, if you just let people say what they're going to say, if it's idiotic or, or awful or violent, you know, and there's no suppression, it just gets out there and it's just going to dissolve as a, as a consequence of, the fact that at the end of the day, that the truth will out and the the truth will win. And, and, you know, um,
0: And, and once again, that is also being charitable in assuming that there is, you know, one. I mean, in relation to facts, there is one truth, but in relation to what's best for, as we said, the public good, the public health, your health, my health. My well-being, whatever it is, you know, those are not really questions that the state or a corporation or a handful of corporations are really equipped to answer. Um, so even even if they even if they do uh, even if they are well-meaning, and even if they do in a sense know have a have, you know specialized knowledge about something that I do not, ultimately. You, they should simply do the best they can to present the information with they have in a way that you know a layperson can understand. And if I make a poor decision based upon that, then well, that was my I mean, decision. That, that's the beauty of yeah, freedom. That connected. Uh,
1: sorry, go on. I was just gonna say, that's pretty much all i had to to say on that. Here. The thing is, dude, there's always going to be risk. We can't get away from that. We can, we're all we're all of us. All of us are fallible. All of us can make bad decisions. And... And... <laughs> make some then the beauty of having a truly a society with real free speech is that then we have those errors out there to be corrected. But if you suppress, you stifle that mechanism of correction and maturity, right? But there's also an emotional dimension to what's going on here and, and the emotional dimension is that the fact of risk as part of life can be emotionally scary and this particular culture in which we find ourselves does not have in my view a healthy relationship with that reality the, 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 the life is structurally hazardous <laughs> life is dangerous And that's actually part of why life is beautiful and wonderful and awesome. But, but, uh, we're, we're trying to, our society tries to completely evacuate the reality of that, that, uh, fragility in order to to create this, this false little universe of comfort and, and, uh, that they can't afford to have true free speech because you have true free speech, then you expose people to the realities of of peril, which um, are actually the precondition of of true greatness in a way. You know, or to go all the way with it, there's just the fact that we're all going to die, all of us. Sorry, no 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 one gets a pass on that, and. And and we we just don't know how to deal with that as a society, which really opens up into a whole other conversation. Maybe we'll break, take that up next time, because we've actually been going for about an hour, so we should probably wrap it up here. Uh, no, I don't think we've come to any conclusive point, mm-hmm. but but um, what, do you have anything with which you'd like to, to round yeah. uh, round out the basis?
0: Uh, well, I would. Um, I don't know how merry you are to the idea of an hour. There is one uh, thing I'd like to discuss. it's yeah, felt it like
1: a hard briefly. stop or anything like that.
0: Um, so, uh, in regards once again to uh, the incident uh, on the sixth at the Capitol, with um, you know Donald Trump and the tweeting and the the uh, the rally that you know, turned into a storming of the Capitol. Um, they're, they're, I see a lot of talk of, you know, um, you know they, they've framed this as an insurrection um, and that, you know, Donald Trump essentially um, incited violence. He, he, he uh, you know, rallied an angry mob uh, and used uh, intentionally vague language Uh, to uh, essentially get this mob to, you know, commit acts of vandalism and violence uh, in in an attempt to uh, create some kind of a coup in which he would uh, remain president for the next four years. Okay, so, and once again, I always feel compelled to to state that I am not actually a supporter of Donald Trump. That does not mean that I cannot, you know, uh, to, to... Take a you know take a stance uh, to his benefit in certain uh, situations. So in this in this incident, um, that that's the way that I have seen most of the mainstream media outlets present it. Um, and while you know, I'll concede that he may have uh, wanted wanted this to happen. Um, I, I don't know that, but maybe maybe he did. I, I I don't know. I don't know what was in Donald Trump's heart that day. But what people will say is, you know, he he basically used this mob as an instrument. Um, and if it weren't for a personality like you know Donald Trump, uh, this wouldn't have happened, and he needs to be silenced. Um, and to, and to that, I would say that ultimately the real reason that this mob this angry mob existed um is really uh going back to the censorship it's out of a really a fundamental lack of trust in the institutions to begin with now you can say that this mob was made up of a largely a bunch of radicals who um you know alt-right they were racist they were um you know neo-nazis you know uh, neo confederates fill in the blank uh, and there may have been some of those there, and I don't sympathize with those um, right. with those uh, philosophies or viewpoints at the same time it, it, there is undeniably you know a lack of confidence in our institutions and if if people fundamentally had over overall a, a, a trust in the institutions, they, they would not be um, they would not be um, protesting against the results of a, an election. Um I don't think that's really something we've seen. I mean, we've seen uh, recounts demanded in the past. Well, um,
1: there's,
0: and there's no, there's no doubt that Trump is playing to his, uh, you know, you know, he. I will concede he's, you know, kind of a big baby. When he loses, he says it's rigged, yeah. and when he wins, he says it's a that's a fine system. But you know, if fundamentally, what I'm saying is, if 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 people trusted the government, if people trusted the electoral system, they wouldn't feel well, compelled, that? you know, to to uh, barge in and 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 uh, you know, uh, you know, stage a siege on the Capitol to get you know get their the president is, back.
1: Yeah put it slightly differently as you put it at other moments, is that there's a sense of powerlessness, right? They're responding to a sense of powerlessness. And um, you know, if you don't want these kinds of things to happen, then you want people to feel empowered. And just, you know, censorship, I think, is one of the most effective ways to disempower people. So you're only going to uh, propagate the tendency to instability if you can if you if you clamp down on uh, public conversation. Well put. I tell you what, man. I think we're going. I'm going to leave it there, if that's okay with you. Um,
0: I think you rounded and, it on, rounded uh, it out nicely. And uh,
1: thank you guys for listening. And uh, sorry about that hiccup there. Hopefully we can. Smooth that out on uh, the other side and uh, see if we can keep it going. All right. This has been Tom. talking with my good friend, Stephen. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip. Ciao for now.
0: Bye. Take care.